welcome to The Advice. This is Darlene Dobbs, your advisor. Remember, when you stare into the advice, the advice stares back into you. Who do we have on the line for our first call? Uh, uh, Darlene, I'm, I'm having a little trouble with the sound right here. I gotta, I gotta uh, fix some wires or something. Hold on. That's terrible. You're a very bad producer. Okay, I think I got it. Yeah. Okay, here, here's your first call. This better be it. Hi there. First time caller, long time listener here. I've been working at the same place for five years without a salary increase, even though I feel my labor has been earning extra capital for my company. What's the best way to ask my corporate overlords for a raise? Oh, hi there, and uh, thanks for the question. First of all, it's ludicrous that you haven't gotten a raise in five years. Uh, You should be asking for a raise every year. And if you can't get a raise in a particular year, I would say ask for a new job title instead of that. Uh, Then the next year, tell your immediate overlord that as the, like, vice president of senior executive committees uh, for Synergy, or whatever your title is, you should be getting paid slightly more than the other staff Uh, previously in your pay grade. So let your overlord know that it's a matter of respect for the office hierarchy so they can imply or infer that if you don't get a raise, they will get less respect from other workers too. Uh, If you can rope your overlord into feeling like it will benefit them to give you a raise, you're more likely to get one. Uh, If that approach doesn't work, Uh, the sycophantic and helpful approach, then you're left with power plays. Make your overlord feel like an underlord uh, by threatening to air their dirty laundry in public. Uh, Whether that means literal dirty laundry or information about how they embezzle from the company or are like having an affair with the junior vice president of senior executive committees for Synergy, Uh, or whatever it is, you'll need to gain this information or laundry uh, in advance of your meeting, obviously. Be uh, really ruthless in seeking it out and presenting what you have to your overlord. Uh, But uh, don't bring original copies of any of your blackmail documents to the meeting. That is a rookie mistake. Don't do that. They will take it away. You won't have anything left. Uh, You should present what you have, then give an ultimatum. I would say um, you should ask for a 10% raise or demand a 10% raise and four more paid sick days per year. Or you threaten to publish a scathing Yelp review of your company, um, airing all your overlord's dirty laundry, And then you'll quit and you'll go work for your rival company to help their capital increase, which should really turn the knife in their back there. Uh, Your overlord will know two things about you when you make this this move in particular. First, 
that you're as determined, uh, self-important, and impervious to reason as all Yelp reviewers are. And second, uh, that you're willing to unleash the worst force in the world, which is other Yelp reviewers, in your quest for a race. Uh, if you do this, I have no doubt your overlord will buckle under this pressure. Uh, and if she doesn't, you may want to rescind your ultimatum and join forces with her to follow her to glory, because in that case, she cannot be stopped. And once she's CEO, you can fight her Highlander style for that position, but until then, just grab onto her coattails and hang on for dear life. Uh, Yelp reviewers are not, not to be trifled with. Uh, thanks for the question. Good question. Who's next? Hi. Uh, so the other day I saw someone on the street who I thought I knew. So I waved from a distance and they waved back. But then when they got closer, I realized it wasn't the person I thought it was. It was a total stranger. I ducked into a shop right when I realized I made a mistake. So I didn't have to confront the person I mistook for my friend. But then I felt certain as I was standing in there looking at artisanal jams or whatever that it doesn't really matter whether that, that person was my friend or a stranger because it's all based on my memories. And memories are faulty. And maybe I didn't even have friends, but just have false memories of connections that I never really achieve. Maybe none of us can really achieve those connections because we're all alone in the universe and we can't truly understand each other because we're all prisoners of our own experiences and genes. And maybe none of that matters either. And it's just up to us to decide how to act in the face of that kind of meaninglessness. Anyway, I wondered if I should have just waved to the person again and treated them like they were a friend instead of trying to save myself the embarrassment of and going into a jam store. I bought $200 worth of jam in there. Thanks. I'll take my answer off the air. Uh, yeah. Probably wave next time. Yep. And now it's time for a word from our sponsors. You work all day. Your back hurts. At the end of the day, when faced with the prospect that you will inevitably die, you want a way to show the world that you're better than the rest of them. You want a symbol that says, you have all agreed that my personal money number is very high compared to yours. Well, you're in luck. There's something we all agreed is a useless and frivolous waste of labor paper. Rocks. rocks. Yes, folks, rocks that come out of the ground are the perfect accompaniment to your withering meat body. Rocks. rocks. They don't do anything. They're just worth a part of your life. We've also decided that some of the compulsory rock purchases are worth even more of your life than the average rock, like engagement rings, which are worth a specified amount of labor hours, no matter how valuable those hours are. We've decided that we like two months of your life in exchange for a rock, the promises your fiance, and more importantly, her friends, that you can consistently make the money number go up, despite setbacks like spending thousands of hours of your life on a little rock. Rocks. Rocks. Fool other human beings into thinking that you won't die alone like the rest of them. Rocks. On sale today, wherever rocks are found. And, uh, can I get, uh, uh, S8, uh, Dragon Phoenix Delight. And, uh, uh, Daryl, uh, Daryl, we're back. Oh, sorry. Daryl, you are the worst. You're the worst producer I've ever had. Get hungry. 
Yeah, I don't care. Who's the next? Who's the next caller? Let's move on. This is Matt Becker from Connecticut. How do I organize my closet to have more closet space? Oh, thanks, Matt. Uh, from Connecticut. Unnecessary information, but that's fine. Uh, this is an easy one. Uh, uh, space is all about perceptions, uh, and especially closet space. Uh, if you ask yourself what a closet is, uh, it's usually a tiny room, usually off of one other room, so it's like a tiny dead end where stuff goes to be forgotten. And there's nothing really about a closet that makes it different from any other room, except that it's so small people usually wish it was bigger. So, as far as closets go, here are my suggestions. First, you can change your perception of space, and I've done this myself, by switching your bedroom with your closet for a few days. Just put all the things in your bedroom into your closet, and all the things in your closet into your bedroom. Your whole bed probably won't fit in the tiny room that used to be your closet, so you'll have to store your bed in the new closet and sleep on something else, or sleep standing up in your new bedroom, which used to be your old closet. Try to keep all the things you put in your old bedroom before into your new, smaller bedroom. Um, in that case, you should notice pretty quickly that you have a lot more space in your new closet and you can probably arrange things however you want and still have plenty of space in there. Your new smaller bedroom, however, probably has less space than it used to, and you might need to decide what you value most and keep only that stuff in your new bedroom, which used to be your old closet. Now, after a few days of sleeping in there, in your new bedroom, you should find that you have a different perception of space than you did before, especially if you're using a little cot mattress. And your new small bedroom is actually roomier than you thought it was when it was just a closet. On the other hand, you might find your huge new closet just as cluttered as it ever was, and this is the time to start getting rid of things out of the huge closet. Whatever you resent probably is a good rule of thumb. If you're starting to get annoyed that this thing is out there in all this space and you're in the small space crammed in with your most important stuff, then get rid of that thing that's annoying you, especially that thing. On the other hand, maybe you like the switch and you want to keep it. In that case, perfect. You have a huge new closet now. Congratulations. Um, if none of that works... You can take the door off the closet and realize that it's just part of the rest of the room. So now you have no closet space. Or everything is closet space, so you don't have to worry about just the closet. Now you can worry about everything or nothing. Pick one. If that doesn't work, then I advise getting a new house and calling at least one bedroom the closet. And just throwing all your junk in there. Uh, thanks for the question. That's all the time we have. For the advice this week, uh, call in next week when we'll have new questions. Uh, all. Uh, uh, sorry, but we're not on. We're not on next week. What? What? Why? Uh, it's it's uh, I'm on vacation. Well, I don't care if you're on vacation, Daryl. Get a different producer. 
You're I, not the star. What I are you? Find coverage. You're not the advisor. Just find somebody. Uh, we'll be on next week. Uh, we'll be on next week. Everybody, call in with your questions. I will answer them. And remember, when you stare into the advice, the advice stares back into you. See you next week. The Advice is a production of the Nihilist Podcast Network. The Nihilist Podcast Network.